communicate. He said, there's too many miracles that I can't even uh, say them all. And so uh, he wanted me to say that to you this morning. But if you looked in your bulletin, and you don't, you don't have to, but uh, I titled my sermon, Carpets and Paint. Carpet and Paint. And that, that's a weird thing to say, but if you've been around churches long, my, my point in calling it Carpet and Paint is that you probably know, I don't personally know, but there has been churches that have split because they couldn't agree on carpet color or paint color. And so, and some of you are nodding your head. And I will tell you that uh, my earliest memories of church, my mother took us three boys to church for the first 31 years of my life. And my earliest memory is we were at a little church just off the square in Putnam County, Missouri, and uh, I can remember there's, you know, the, the adults are kind of arguing, and the next thing I know, uh, I, I went, our family went with a group of people and started meeting in a different building, and I was maybe four, five, six years old. I don't know what my earliest, uh, my, my age was, but, uh, you know, I heard later that, you know, the minister had had an affair and I think our church ended up wanting to restore him. And so I think he went with the group that we were with. And uh, But I can tell you that uh, they had a daughter that was my age. And, uh, you know, later in school, she was a very pretty girl. And she just kind of became promiscuous. And uh, I just remember that, wow, uh, this really affected their family for him to fall into sin. And uh, I guess that's my point uh, this morning is, uh, just this falling away, you know, uh, my, my first really point is that there are some good reasons for leaving a church, but there is no good reason for falling away from Christ. Can you say amen to that? And, and, and many have. So if you're here today and you're kind of on the fence, uh, my goal is for you and everyone under the sound of my voice not to fall away. Uh, the Bible calls that apostasy. And there's always uh, casualties with church splits and people get hurt. Uh, we actually had a man that came. Uh, I, I've, I've been in a church, uh, two different churches that have had uh, a split of sorts. And uh, <clears throat> one was nearly 25 years ago or so now. And uh, w- when we were doing some work here at the church, we invited someone to help with uh, some construction and uh, it turns out he was from the church that had split 25 years earlier. And, and he told me, he said, Steve, he says, uh, nearly 20 years went by and, and we didn't go to church. And uh, he had just started going again to a church uh, after 20 years away. And and so that, that was a uh, personal experience. So these stories are common. They're more common than you think. And uh, I used to work with a relatively young man who uh, he had kind of grown up in church and his friends. And, and when he was a senior in high school, the uh, the pastor wanted to honor all the seniors as we do here. And I know this is, is a fear of Luke's, but, uh, you know, as they were calling names and they were giving gifts to the seniors, the pastor uh, forgot this young man. And so all the seniors except for him were called on stage and given a gift, but not him. And that was, that was probably 10 years ago. And he said, Steve, he said, I never went back to church again. And so there's things like that. And you say, well, 
that is horrible. How could that pastor forget him? And it is horrible, and uh, we do forget, and things like that do happen. But, but really, was it worth missing a gift and getting embarrassed to miss, you know, to fall away from the Lord, was it? And uh, so we, we think about those things. <clears throat> An illustration I like to use is uh, like going out to eat. And, and all of us have gone out to eat, and we probably have our favorite restaurant or favorite foods. But I, I bet every one of us have probably gotten bad food at a restaurant, something we didn't like. Or we got bad service. You know, the waiter never did check on us or whatever the bad service was. But did that stop you from ever going out to eat again? <laughs> no. You, you went to a different place. You, you gave them another try or whatever it was. And so churches are a little bit like that. We, we are not perfect and we will uh, make mistakes, but we can serve the Lord with a perfect heart. We have a perfect book. We have a perfect Savior. And so don't fall away if you don't get fed well or maybe somebody didn't shake your hand or uh, whatever it may be. And so uh, I'm going to uh, pray again just now and uh, and then share some things about uh, this falling away. So let's let's pray again. Lord, I do come to you in prayer, and I do thank you for this uh, group that's gathered here this morning. They've committed to uh, come and sing your praises and to hear your word. And so, Lord... uh, I pray as we're here now that you'll be with our, our pastor and the team and the team from Myola is there in Boston and Lord just uh, give uh, Pastor Mike Renault just a uh, good vision and help him to be refreshed by our team and, and Lord use this time as we are talking about falling away or being offended and uh, may Lord we never fall away from you and we just ask this in Jesus name, amen. I, I've been uh, I've been saved now for a little over 30 years. I was 31 when I trusted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, and it was shortly after that, uh, just a few months later, I got on to the maintenance group at our at our work, and, and I'm still there. I do some refrigeration work, but uh, you know sometimes maintenance guys can be kind of crude and rough, and I just remember sitting at it was either the lunch table or the break table with a group of guys and. And this guy is not a Christian, and he would tell you he's not a Christian, but I just remember him nearly 30 years ago just saying, boy, it just seems like the the last days. He, he would say, whatever story we were talking about in the news, he's like, man, this is just the last days, you know. This is just coming to an end, isn't it? And uh, so I want to give you what I believe uh, this morning is just some indicator about the the end times. Because that was nearly 30 years ago, <clears throat> and even Ron in his uh, Between Songs, he talked about uh, uh, the world that we live in and uh, just the times that we live. <clears throat> and I'm going to have uh, the sound booth put up this first verse from Second Thessalonians chapter 2, <clears throat> because I believe there's many things that point to Christ's return, and many of them are indicators, but this is, uh, if we were to look... I hate to use the word look for a sign because the Jews require a sign, but if we could look at any one thing, I think this uh, would be it, at least in my opinion. And let's just uh, read that together. The Bible says here, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, 
and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. And of course, this man of sin, the son of perdition, is none other than the Antichrist. But it says that uh, that day shall not come. That, that day is a reference to the Lord's return. And his return will not come except there be a falling away first. <clears throat> and we, we do not uh, depend on the, the Greek or the Hebrew here. But this Greek word is where we get the word uh, apostasy. And you've probably heard the word apostasy. And I'll just give you a definition of it. It means an abandonment of what one has professed, a total desertion or departure from one's faith or religion. And so that is the topic this morning is falling away into apostasy. And that is something that will happen before the Lord returns again. And so who are they that fall away? And I I found a good definition. So these these next two verses I want you to look at from uh, Luke 8. Uh, there's really three verses here, but I want you to uh, really key in on a couple of words. So here in Luke 8, this is the parable of the uh, sower who sowed seed on these four types of soil. And here in uh, Luke 8, 13 says, They on the rock are they when, which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, fall away. So he uses that word fall away there at the end. And they, they are those, uh, this rock or stony soil, they hear the word, the, the word that was sown, they hear it, and they don't really get rooted in it. And in time of temptation, they fall away. They, they go away. And in Matthew 13, there's two verses here, and I want you to see this is the same story told from Matthew And here it says, but he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word and anon or or immediately with joy receiveth it, yet hath not, hath he not root in himself, but doeth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. You see how Luke said they fall away, and here it says they were offended. And Mark 4 says almost the same thing. We'll read it as well. It says, And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. They fall away. And so I wanted everybody to see just that connection with falling away with being offended, which is apostasy. And so you won't really hear this phrase in the news tonight. So we, we think the problem is the crisis at the border. No, it's the falling away from the Lord. We think that the problem is, boy, the stock market is, is falling so fast. No, the problem is falling away from the Lord. We think the problem is political. No, it's, it's falling away from the Lord. We think it's this pandemic we just came out of. No, it's falling away from the Lord. We hear all about the rise of crime. That's not the problem. It's falling away from the Lord. There's uh, the problem of racism. Yeah, but the real problem is we've fallen away from the Lord. 
we have this global warming we hear about or climate change. And that's not the problem. It's falling away from the Lord. Maybe you think drugs or alcohol or immorality is is the problem. No, it's, we've fallen away from the Lord. And can you amen that? The problem is people are falling away from the Lord. And take just a second, look to your neighbor and say, don't fall away. We don't, we don't want anyone to fall away from the Lord. <clears throat> he is worthy of our praise. He is faithful. We can trust him. And the reason Matthew 13 gave for falling away was because of the word. People fall away from the Lord because of it. And we're going to see in just a minute that he is called the rock of offense. But look at this verse in Psalm 119. And uh, I think we're putting those up. I'm not looking behind me, but uh, think about David. King David is attributed. Uh, most people think he wrote Psalm 119. And look what he says here in Psalm 119. Verse 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Wow. If you and I love the Lord and we love his word, you're not going to cause me to fall away. I'm not going to cause you to fall away. Amen? And uh, and sometimes pastors kind of get dinged. I mean, maybe we don't call somebody that hasn't been here for a little while, or maybe... They had something happen, and and uh, people get offended, and they've and and it's always just an oversight. Or maybe we sometimes we've called people too much, and they're like, "Well, I've been at church. Why are you calling me?" And so it's it's a double-edged sword. But th- think about David. All David had was the the Pentateuch, the first five books of our Bible, and he loved God's law. And he he said, "Man, if you do that, nothing is going to cause you to fall away from Him." I'll have us look at John 6 now, and there's there's several verses here, but uh, this is a, a passage from the New Testament that communicates this very thing. It says, John 6, 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, in other words, he had said some hard things, he said unto them, doth this offend you? What? And if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up to where he was before, it is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. And then look what it says. From that time, many of his disciples went back. They fell away and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Peter said, God, you know, Christ, you may have said some hard things, but we are not going to walk away. Where, where else can we go? These, these are the words of eternal life. A- any place you go from there is, is downhill. You'll be falling away. Think about Job. We, we're studying Job in our class, uh, our Bible hour on Sunday mornings. 
you know, many of you probably have lost some possessions. Maybe you've had the death of some loved ones. But Job, Job had all of that happen in a day. He, he lost his possessions. He lost most all of his servants. He lost his children. Uh, it was a different day, I, I guess, but he lost his health. He lost fellowship with his wife. And the rest of the book, he, he more or less loses his friends. They speak out against him. And, and he says in Job 13, he's referring to God. He says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. He's like, if God, even if God kills me, I'm, I'm still going to trust in him. I don't care what my friends say. I don't care what my wife says. I don't care how many servants I've lost. All these cattle and camel and and, uh, asses and oxen, they've all been stolen from me. I'm just going to keep trusting the Lord. Wow. Wow. In Job 23, our our good friend Del Lytle used to remind me of this. He says, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the word... I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And so he just had this love for God and a love for his word, and he did not lose his integrity. He did not sin against God. I've got some statistics now. Uh, these, are, these are modern day. This is, uh, I've got some references here, but <clears throat> this is from 2005. <clears throat> It says that in 2005, 1,400 pastors in America leave the ministry monthly. And, and we, we know that, you know, new pastors are being trained, and, and so maybe that is not that amazing. It says only 15% of churches in the United States are growing, and just 2.2% of them are growing by conversion growth. You know, it's, it's not just people from other churches coming to your church, but only... A little over 2% of churches are growing by people getting saved and coming you know, out of the world unto Christ. And that was over, uh, and it said uh, 10,000 churches in America disappeared in, in a five-year period. So that was almost 2,000 churches a year uh, were closing their doors. Here's a statistic from the United States Census Bureau of Records. Uh, every year, 2.7 million church members fall into inactivity. And uh, we, we kind of do that. We have a list of active members, and, and after so many months of, of people not coming, we, we, we mark them as inactive. And this translates into the realization that people are leaving the church uh, from our research, we have found that they are leaving as hurting and wounded victims of some kind of abuse, dissolution, disillusionment, or just plain neglect. It says from the year 1990 to the year 2000, the combined membership of all Protestant denominations in the U.S. declined by almost 5 million members. So a 10-year period, uh, that, that's about 10% of Protestant church members <clears throat> and we we are Baptists. We're, we're not uh, necessarily Protestants. There's a little difference there. Uh, but the, during that same period, the U.S. population grew by 24 million. So uh, 
nearly 11% that the population grew, but the, the church of, uh, decreased about 10% in the same amount of time. Uh, this was interesting too. At the turn of the 19th, uh, at the turn of the last century in 1900, there was a ratio of about 27 churches to every 10,000 people. And at the close of the century, in other words, the start of 2000, uh, we only have about 11 churches for every 10,000 people. So, a uh, great decrease. And this said about half of the churches in the United States did not add any new members in the last two years. And so again, we're just uh, pointing to the apostasy. <clears throat> um, and uh, Pastor Brian gave us, uh, in, in 2019, the Barna Research listed Boston as the number five on their list of post-Christian cities in America. So Boston was fifth. I don't know what the first four was, were, but uh, the most post-Christian. In other words, uh, they, they used to be Christian, but uh, no longer. <clears throat> and so here, here's the good news out of some of these is that uh, Barna found a link between people who read their Bibles regularly as those that remain committed and attending church. And that, that's what we're saying, that the research shows really what the Bible says, that if we don't love God's word, we will be offended and we will fall away. <clears throat> and uh, we, you know, we, we, we talked about Peter, we talked about Job, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we, we could talk about the martyrs, people who would die for their faith before, uh, I mean, I remember when I read Fox's book of martyrs, <clears throat> I remember just, a guy who would not yield, uh, he had a copy of the scriptures and uh, the people told him that uh, if if you don't give us a copy of the scripture, we're going to poke out your eyes so that you you can't read the scriptures you do have. And that's what they he, He's like, okay. And so uh, they, they gouged his eyes out so he couldn't read the scriptures. That would probably offend most of us. You would, You and I might be offended by that. And that guy uh, did not. His name was Timothy something or another. Okay, so how do we uh, apostasy-proof our life? How do we not fall away? We, we've really already said it, that uh, it is by our love for the Word of God, for the living Word as well as the written Word, <clears throat> because Jesus, in uh, 1 Peter 2.8, and this is a reference to the Old Testament, it says, and he's called, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. And it says something similar in Romans 9. It says, as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling block and a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So there's a connection with believing on him, and you won't be ashamed. And uh, that's why many of the uh, Jewish uh, leadership uh, had our Lord crucified, is that they wanted the, this, this ruling and reigning Messiah. They didn't want this suffering servant. And so that was offensive to them. You're not who I thought you would be. Uh, so uh, we are offended at that. 
Even the very night Christ was crucified, he, t- uh, he told in Matthew 26, Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And, uh, you know, that that probably echoes with most of us. I mean, right here today, you know, it's a nice day. We're comfortable. And uh, we could say, I will never be offended. But, you know, uh, when things happen, you do doubt. And, and, and you sometimes uh, forget in the darkness what we heard in the light. And so it's going to depend on our love for the Lord and our belief in him no matter what. Amen? So why was Jesus offensive? In Matthew 11, he says, uh, this is the Beatitudes. No, this is not the Beatitudes. But he said this, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. We will be blessed if we do not fall away. Galatians 5.11. Paul shows us another reason why Christ is this rock of offense. He says in Galatians 5, And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. The cross of Christ was not this beautiful stained glass thing. It was a rugged wooden cross. And it was taken up a stony hill and planted in the ground. And he was crucified with uh, cursing and smiting and uh, blood and great uh, persecution. And that was offensive. You know, most of us turn away from such gory sights. But the Bible says that righteousness and unrighteousness do not have fellowship. Light and darkness do not have communion. There is no concord with Christ and Belial. Believers do not have any part with infidels. And so we have to deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow Christ. And that is a little bit offensive some days. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So with Christ uh, being holy and us unholy, there's a difference there. And it is offensive. And in Matthew 13... When Christ was in his own town, <clears throat> many did not believe in him, and it, it, it limited what he could do there. In Matthew thirteen fifty seven, the Bible says, And they were offended in him, but, Christ, but Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. They didn't believe on him, and so they were offended. And he was unable to do many miracles there. Now, in the Old Testament, there is, I think, a similar word to this being offended or falling away. In Jeremiah 3, it actually says, um, I think, almost exclusively the word backsliding is mentioned in Jeremiah. It might be a few other places. But... uh, the nation of Israel was backslidden. They had fallen away from the Lord. And so that's what I want to communicate in, in the remainder of our time together 
is just how we can come back to the Lord. Maybe you're here and you fall away. We don't want to leave anyone without hope. We want to return and come back to him. And here it says in Jeremiah 3, starting at verse 11. And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than the treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return now, backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree. And ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Turn, O backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. <clears throat> By the way, that, that's, uh, that's why Israel is called Beulah land. It, it means married. Beulah means married. And uh, the Lord was married to uh, his people Israel. He says, And I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And then a little later in the same chapter, it says this, Return ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. And so this uh, that this word backsliding is very similar to apostasy. And so we, like the nation of Israel, <clears throat> have wandered from our God. And we have fallen away from him in, in many aspects. And uh, <clears throat> one of the people of captivity was Ezekiel. And Ezekiel found himself uh, taken away captive into Babylon. And in Ezekiel 11... He gives a solution that all of us need, and it's a new heart. <clears throat> you remember? Uh, do you remember the type of soil that the, that uh, the the seed fell on? That those that fell away, what kind of soil was that? It was rocky or stony, and so the Lord tells Israel that you guys have got a stony heart here. <clears throat> he says in Ezekiel 11, "Remember the seed that fell on stony ground." Uh, well, these are my words. I'm getting my my eyes crossed up here. He says in Ezekiel 11, and I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them an heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I just think that is just the coolest thing. These people are in captivity, and they're away from their home. And the word Babylon means confusion. You know, when we say people are just babbling, it means you're saying confusing thing. You're just babbling. And in Babylon, they were in confusion. They were away from their home. They had lost everything. And God says, you guys have got a stony heart. Let, let me remove that and let me put a tender, fleshy heart in there. One that uh, will hear me, that will follow me, 
that will keep my ordinances. I want to be your God. We're married, and he's just wooing them back to himself. Isn't that what he does to us? He just lovingly, he says, I'm merciful. I don't want to be angry forever. You know, just acknowledge your sin. Come back to me. I love you. And that's what he's saying to us. And uh, I want to leave you with uh, an example from Revelation. It's in chapter 2. And this is where I want to uh, conclude today. It's the church at Ephesus. It's the first church that the, the Lord communicates to of these seven churches. It's in Revelation chapter 2, and I'll just read verses 4 and 5, and if you guys will leave uh, verse 5 up on the screen, uh, that's what we want to focus on as we end today. <clears throat> but in Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5, um, after communicating with them that uh, he know he knows their works, he says this, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlesticks thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. And this doesn't mean that they lost their salvation. It means that they left, they walked away, they fell away from their first love. And uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, uh, you know, when you're first saved, you, you really can't wait to read the Word, can you? It, it's exciting. And what, what, he's, he, what he's telling them is, he says, remember that. You've left your first love. You're not lost. You're, you're not going to hell. But, you know, hey, son, hey, daughter, uh, remember. It used to be fun to go to church, right? It, remember, uh, you know, uh, most of you don't know me before I came here in 2005. So, <clears throat> but boy, at the church we used to go to, it was easy for me to come up and kneel at the altar. And I remember when I come here, and you know, uh, Barry's not here today, but Barry used to come up here a lot. And when it, when you're new with the Lord, and it's easier to do some of those things, and you know, you uh, you drive to work and think. You know, who am I going to witness to today? It wasn't hard to witness, was it? And he's saying, uh, I think it's in that verse 5 there. It says, do do the first works. He's saying, remember that. He said, remember that and return and, and do those first things. So remember, remember when you got saved. Remember the love you had for God and his word. And go back and do those things. Start sharing your faith. Start reading your word. Start maybe coming to the altar and laying some things down. And then the last thing he says there was uh, at the very end of that, except you, except thou repent. And, you know, we don't like that word, but it, it simple means to turn. And I know Pastor Randy, I may butcher this a little bit, he kind of come up with this definition that repentance 
is a change of heart that leads uh, to a change of action that leads to a change of life. And that, that's, a, that's a good definition, that, uh, that change of heart. Like, God, you're right. It's kind of the, it's kind of the other side of confession because confessing is, God, you're right, and repentance is, God, I'm wrong. You see that? Confessing, God, you're right. The Bible is true. I have sin. I'm turning from my sin. I'm coming back to you, and I want to change my life. And, and that's what he's telling this church. And I think that's what the Lord would have us to do today if we if we feel like we're falling away. I, I don't know about you, but I told this uh we have every once in a while, I think it's only happened twice at my company that they have what they call a skip level meeting where your boss is not in the meeting, but their boss is in the meeting and you're able to talk to your boss's boss about anything you want to. And and I just told him, I'm like, because uh, I've been at my job 37 years now and I'm just like, I, I really hate to see good people leave. That That was my communication because... You know, sometimes it creates work, more work for the rest of us, right? When when good people leave, and I think I think of the church like that. I, I think of wow, where's sister so and so? Where's brother so and so? And and you're, you know, sometimes you feel overworked or you're you're burdened. It's like you know, some people have fallen away, right? Sometimes the lights are going out, and and people uh, do fall away. But like my first point is. Uh, maybe people leave church for a good reason, and, and and we all maybe have, but there's really no good reason to stop following the Lord. So if you're here today and I don't see you again, keep following the Lord. You, you can leave this church, but don't stop following the Lord. And uh, amen and amen. And so let's just uh, bow our heads right now. Uh, I know we're getting out a little bit early, but let me just tell you one last little illustration. Uh, <clears throat> Because falling away can be uh, slow or fast, I, I think. Uh, in this illustration, these this stony seed, uh, just some kind of persecution or temptation, boy, they fell quickly. Uh, but, but maybe it's just like, boy, I, I haven't read my Bible today, and maybe I don't won't read it tomorrow, and then a week goes by, and then two weeks go by, and then a month goes by. And so sometimes falling away can be slow, and uh, maybe we uh, haven't gone to church for a week or two, and, and then it becomes a month or two, and then, goodness, it's Christmas and Easter. And, and we're part of these statistics that I read uh, from these Barna research and all that. But uh, we had a couple, a man and his wife, that came to our recovery group for two or three years, and, and we gave them rides, and we helped them, and we helped with their kids, and, and uh, we, we did many things with them and for them. And uh, one time I, I, I suggested something that, that they do or not do. I don't remember exactly, but it offended them. And, uh, and that was probably five years ago. And I just saw him a month ago. And, and uh, the guy told me, he's like, yeah, we're going, we're going to get a divorce. And I, I just kind of looked at his family. And I just, you know, you wonder, you know, what if they wouldn't have fallen away? What if? They would have kept following the Lord. You know, where would their kids be at? Where would, what would their marriage look like if they hadn't fallen away? And I'll, uh, I'll read you one last verse here. The Bible says that Christ, it says, who was delivered for our offenses. The way it, the way it really is, is that we've offended him. 
He was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. And uh, if that if that's you tonight, just bow our heads and uh, this morning and, and close our eyes. Just uh, think about uh, maybe you haven't fallen away from the Lord. Maybe you've never come to Him at the, in the first place. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you do need to come to the altar today and uh, talk with one of our counselors and maybe you do need to invite Christ into your life. I just am so mindful of, of how good he is and how faithful he's been to me and to my family. And uh, we, we want that. Uh, I want that for you. If you are not saved, uh, I'm going to look up just now. If you, if you want prayer, if you're not sure if you'd go to heaven, if you were to die, would you just raise your hand? I'm, I'm the only one looking around <clears throat> and we will, uh, <clears throat> Have one of our counselors meet with you. Is there anybody like that today? Just say, Steve, I'm not sure if I'm saved. and I am concerned that if I were to die, I would not go to heaven. Anybody at all like that? Okay. I don't see any hands. Why don't you just remain with your head bowed for a minute. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. And we'll close up here in just a second. But maybe something was said that maybe you just do need to lay at the altar today and uh, now that we're standing maybe you can work your way out if you want to just come forward at this time I'm just going to tarry for a minute if you have something you want to lay at the altar this morning that uh, maybe you have backslidden maybe you do need to confess maybe you do need to remember and to uh, return and uh, to repent maybe you just need to make that commitment uh, public or just come up and lay it at the altar this morning I invite you to do that now as we're uh, talking, and uh, we'll just uh, remain standing for just a minute. There is uh, some folks that do need to pray and just lay something down, and so uh, <clears throat> just uh, be respectful of that, but even if, uh, you know, like I said, I've been saved for 30 years now, and, and I think maybe it's easier as you get older to have a little more callous. I, I remember a lady telling me that Steve, I'm just kind of set in my ways. I guess I'll never change. And, you know, I don't want to be old and set in my ways. I want to be set in God's ways. And I want to have a tender heart. And, and we, we want to have uh, always uh, close fellowship with our Lord and Savior and let his word uh, tenderize and penetrate and change us from within. Um, <clears throat> maybe it's just a commitment you need to make privately just saying, Lord, I will not be offended. I will not fall away. I do not want to go into apostasy and uh, <clears throat> because we know the Lord's return is near. So uh, I'll just close in prayer and then we'll uh, have some announcements. Uh, Father in heaven, we do uh, bow our heads and hearts and just uh, so thankful for these uh, words of old that are so relevant. Just hearing about Israel going backsliding, you know, two or 3,000 years ago. It just sounds like uh, us today, Father. And so do create in us this uh, new spirit, this this uh, tender heart. And the Lord, uh, may we not uh, soon forget uh, what was communicated today and help us not to be uh, have uh, stony hearts that when the persecution will come and offenses will come, Lord, may we uh, be like uh, David of old or like Peter said, that you have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? And uh, we'll be like uh, 
Job, that we esteem your words uh, more than our necessary food. And, and though you slay us, yet will we trust in you. So uh, just uh, dismiss us now with your blessing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll uh, be seated one more time. And we're going to have some announcements. Uh, I guess I should pray for the offering. And uh, we'll take up an offering. And if you are a guest and you, uh, even if you're a member, we need to write your name on that little attachment on the bulletin and drop it in the offering plate. And uh, pray for our team as they uh, come back this week. I think they come back and then Brian has to go out of town again next week for a different thing. So anyway, uh, let's let's pray and then uh, Brother Jason's going to have some announcements. All right. Lord God, we do uh, thank you for this meeting. Thank you for this gathering of people. Lord, uh, <clears throat> I pray your blessing on the offering as, as the plate goes around. Help us to uh, seriously think about uh, how we are, uh, how you can use us, just the monies that we uh, give back to you, Lord, that you use it for your honor and glory and uh, the furtherment of the gospel. And uh, just uh, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Actually, I think there's a, a video, isn't there? My bad. Hello, HBF Saints. Uh, this is Andrew Ong, your missionary uh, to Vietnam. Man, I'm bummed that I couldn't be in your conference this year as I'm uh, in another conference in Alabama. But man, I'm thinking about you all and praying that God uh, bless the work that you guys are doing. I heard about uh, the Bibles that you're producing uh, for the Ukrainian people and, and other uh, Jamaican Bibles and other, I'm sure, other languages uh, as well. So man, keep up the good work. Uh, that is uh, going on there right now. Uh, as for Vietnam, as you know, that we are also trusting God to produce a King James equivalent for the Vietnamese language. Again, uh, translation is not an English issue only. It's a worldwide issue. There's many uh, versions of translation uh, floating in Vietnam and other languages in the world. So we are also trusting the Lord to translate uh, the King James Bible into the Vietnamese language. Uh, as you know, we have translated the book of John and also uh, parts of the book of Romans, but God providentially uh, brought us the Vogelis. As you know, I think you guys are supporting the Vogelis that are trusting God to translate the Albanian Bible, uh, uh, sorry, the King James Bible to the Albanian language. And uh, so we are, we have learned from them the software that they're using, the indexing system. And so, uh, we are pivoting to use their approach to do that. Uh, we have three translator by, by God's grace, uh, that is doing the work. Uh, we are amateurs, but I'm so thankful that these three translators who are Vietnamese are people that we have won to the Lord, have done D1, D2, and are in the Bible Institute. And so, man, I trust them. Uh, the Lord uses foolish people, common people, and uh, we're doing it. It's, it's a, it's, again, it's a small team, a slow work, but we're trusting the Lord to do that. Uh, thank you so much. I heard from Pastor uh, Brian that some of you are interested to support that work uh, in prayer and support. Man, uh, thank you so much. Uh, it means a lot to us. And um, please keep praying uh, that God would just continue to uh, bless that work because it's a it's a it's an in addition to the church plan. So I'm trusting the Lord to have discernment to make sure that we have the capacity to do church planning and to have capacity to do this work of translation. So pray for us 
And as we continue to pray for you guys, again, thank you so much for your good work in doing the, uh, the, the, the publication of the Word of God. May God bless you. We love you. We thank you. And I will see you soon. Bye now. If you were here Wednesday night at the Bible conference, was being a part of translating the words. So that's exciting work. So uh, a few announcements I've got, and we'll be out of here a little bit early today. So uh, uh, first off, you have a bulletin. Everybody's got everything in the bulletin that you should need to know. I don't want to read it to you, so uh, read it. Uh, it. People put hard work into that, so read that. But a couple things that uh, we want to make sure everybody knows about, uh, the harvest party's coming up. It's like right around the corner. Uh, I think it's October 20th, is that correct? 22nd, October 22nd. It is one of the biggest outreach events that we do as a church. And so uh, we have a lot of people from the community that come. It's a carnival. If you've never been here, it's a really good time. And so uh, if you want to be involved in that, there's a sign-up board in the foyer. Uh, if you want to talk to Chris Cohen uh, and his wife, Lauren, they are heading that up again this year. But it's an exciting time. Uh, it's a Saturday afternoon like normal. And uh, it's it's a really uh, good, easy thing to be involved in if you want to uh, just figure out what it's like to, to love on kids, to love on their parents. And so it doesn't really matter what you want to do. We can find something for you to do. And so uh, it'll be a really good time. So uh, be thinking about that. Be signing up on that so they can get uh, that kind of rocking and rolling. Uh, the other main thing that uh, we need to uh, hit on is the men's conference. Uh, got moved this year. It is now set in stone November 4th and 5th. They have a location uh, acquired. Uh, it is in Excelsior Springs. So guys, uh, there will be stuff on the website starting this week with all the details. But if you want to mark your calendars for November 4th and 5th, it'd be a really good uh, thing for you to uh, set aside a little bit of time. It's, it's a Friday night and a Saturday, so uh, it'll, be, it'll be really good. And so one last thing I want to uh, I'll bring up. And so have you ever noticed that it doesn't matter what situation you have in life, you kind of have an expectation in your mind of how it should go. Right? You come to church in the morning and you expect Pastor Brian to be here and then you get the blessing of Pastor Steve preaching. Or, uh, it doesn't really matter. You, have, uh, you go to work and you expect things to go this way and maybe they don't. Or uh, it really doesn't matter what it is in life. You have some sort of an expectation of how it should go. Right? And so uh, your marriage is no different. And so if you have a bulletin, there's an insert in there. Uh, and it is uh, a, a thing that we're going to do. Uh, it's an eight-week class. It's called Redefining Expectations. And it's because... What we need to do in our life is uh, not try to change our spouse, but redefine what we expect. And so uh, God has really put this on my heart. Uh, I, if you don't know me, I'm, I'm Pastor Jason. I do the young adult, young family uh, ministry here. But uh, we're going to have an eight-week marriage class. Uh, it's on Saturday evenings. It's not when church normally is because I want you to have a little skin in the game, mostly. Uh, I want it to be something that you have to dedicate a little time to. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. God has really pressed this on my heart for the past few years, and I've kind of kicked it down the road, and uh, it has really come around to now. And so uh, anybody uh, is invited to this. It doesn't matter if you're married and if you've been married for uh, a long time. I promise that there's stuff that God has shown me that uh, will be really good. Uh, if you are newly married, uh, if you have a marriage that's really good, uh, if you have a marriage that's like, man, I don't know if we're going to make it out of in the next year, uh, if you're single, there's a lot of things that would be really good for you if you're single to uh, maybe start to uh, uh, acquire these things in your mind um, as you go forward. And so I personally uh, want to invite you to be there. Um, it is a little bit of time. I understand that over eight Saturdays, it'll be uh, starts next Saturday, October 1st, and it'll be done a Saturday before Thanksgiving. Um, but uh, 
I understand eight weeks is a long time, and you've probably got something going on one of those eight weeks, and you're probably thinking, well, I can't go. Uh, I'm going to record it, and so uh, you can listen to the one you missed or the two that you missed, but uh, this would be really good for your marriage. It, it, you know, it, Compare it to this. If you had a good amount of money in the stock market, would you think, well, that's, that's enough. I don't need any more. I don't want to invest any more. I'm just going to take what I have and, and, and just keep that. Or would you think, I want to continue to investing? Well, if you have a marriage, you need to continue to invest in it. I don't care if you've been married for a year or if you've been married 50 years. You need to invest in this thing. Uh, marriage is work. It takes work. And so I, I really do want you to be a part of this. Um, we're going to talk about some things very candidly, um, very black and white. If you know how uh, I am and how I teach, uh, it's going to be just very, um, this is what the Word of God says. And this is how we need to grow uh, to be what God has called us to be. And so we're going to talk about things like communication, uh, like our marital roles. We're going to talk about things uh, like finances and, and why we can't ever agree on finances. We're going to talk about uh, intimacy because nobody likes to talk about that in church. And we're going to talk about things um, like ministry and, and, and a, a lot of other things. But um, it's going to be really good. Um, there's going to be snacks. Uh, there will be coffee. Uh, there will be child care. And so uh, all the reasons that you might not come are taken care of. So I just really, uh, God has really impressed this on my heart. Uh, to to be uh, what he wants it to be. And so I pray that it is that. Um, one thing you do need to know is uh, there is a sign-up online. I need to know how much stuff to prepare. Uh, I don't need to know how much. So if you're even considering doing this, jump online. It's free um, to you. Uh, there is a cost that's going into it, but we're, we're taking care of that. And so it's free to you. Just jump online and sign up. Um, it, it, uh, it'll be worth the investment. So if you have any questions, I'll be available uh, after church in the foyer if you have questions about this. But um, this is not just for HBF people. Uh, this is out on on the Facebook world and all that. I don't know how all that works, but I know it's out there. Uh, invite your neighbors. Invite your friends. Um, I can't say it enough. It'll be worth your time. Um, and so God has something to say, and I pray that um, he'll, he'll make it worthwhile. So uh, sorry, I know that took a long time, but uh, this is this is uh, something that's really exciting. And so uh, let's uh, let's pray, uh, and we'll be dismissed. Let's pray for, pray for Pastor Brian and the team as they're coming home tomorrow, and uh, that God would just get the glory. Father, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for uh, just being uh, the Lord of our life and uh, giving us purpose when uh, there's times that we just don't know which way we should go. And we thank you for giving us a book that is holy and true, uh, Lord, that we know that we can we can turn to in times of need. Uh, Lord, we just uh, thank you for a church that's busy about your work. We pray for Pastor Brian and Cammie uh, from HBF and those who are from Harvest there as well as uh, they're just getting your work done uh, in Boston even now. And so, Lord, I pray you be with them as they travel back, give them traveling mercies. Uh, Lord, we thank you for just a, a good word from Pastor Steve this morning. I pray that we would just take these things and meditate on them, uh, that we wouldn't uh, find ourselves in a place where we want to fall away, uh, and that we would just really guard our heart. And so, uh, Lord, we do pray you dismiss us with your blessing. Send us out this week as lights in a dark world, that you would get all the honor and all the glory from everything that we do and say in Christ's name, amen. Thank you, guys. You're dismissed.